It's pretty remarkable with the Packers. Go Pack! Go! Have accomplished thus far and what they still can. And that's what our Twitter poll is today. Uh, we want to know, with three weeks to go, where will the Packers finish in the NFC to end the regular season? Your choices, they'll have home field advantage. They'll have a first-round bye, which means they'll be the two seed. They'll win the division, which means more than likely they'll be the three seed. Uh, you would say three or four seed, but there's no way uh, they're falling behind the Cowboys or yeah. Eagles, whoever wins that terrible division. So the worst they could do if they win the division is the three seed. Or the doomsday scenario would be you lose out and then you probably fall into the wild card. Now to lose out, you'd have to lose at home to the Bears on Sunday. Then you'd have to lose back-to-back road games to the Vikings and 3-10 and Lions. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's happening either. If you're worried about doomsday scenarios, that would probably be where the uh, wild card. Right now, uh, not quite an hour into the vote, uh, 50% division champ, 31% first round by 14% wild card. Must be a lot of Viking fans up early today. <laughs> uh, or 5% home field advantage. I, I mean, look, I of course I want home field advantage, but that the 49er loss two weeks ago and then San Francisco beating New Orleans, I think kind of put that down. I think San Francisco is probably going to get home field advantage. But I think the two-seed Evo, obviously the Packers currently have the two-seed. So you say you win out, you're, gonna, you're locked into the two-seed, or do you say... You might lose to the Vikings, which probably loses the two seed. But as long as you beat the Bears and Lions, you're going to win the division. And that's where most people see this thing going. I so, mean, I'll ask both you guys, uh, what do you think is the most likely out of those four scenarios? I could see the Packers taking a loss, and that's in Minnesota against the Vikings. The Vikings are 6-0 and at home. The Vikings are almost unbeatable at home. That's going to be a tough place to play, especially if everything on the line. But right now I'm looking at 538. We've been using this site a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. We're getting their money's worth out of 538. Welcome, 538. St- How many free ads are they getting on this you show? You stunk at the election, Good but we'll, we'll talk about it anyways. Um, right now, Green Bay has a seven, 76% chance of winning the division, a 37% chance of a first-round bye. That's without any, you know, anything, me clicking on any scenarios happening. And the Vikings right now, a 24% chance of winning the division and a 6% chance of a first-round bye. Now, if the Packers do beat Chicago... It goes up to a 91% chance of winning the division. And if they, let's see, the Vikings, what do you think they're going to match up against? Uh, what do they got? The Chargers coming up? Is that who the Vikings got? Look. Uh, the Vikings play the Chargers. That's correct. Then the Packers, then the Bears. And, you know, it's kind of like a double edged sword because the Bears are so hot right now, winning four or five. They're technically, they're not even eliminated from the division, uh, certainly the wild card. So the you you want the Bears to beat the Vikings, but for that game to be relevant, the Bears would have to beat the Packers on Sunday. So it's kind of a double-edged sword because I think the Bears could give the Vikings problems, but that would be only if the Bears gave the Packers problems. Yeah, so and I'd much rather have the Packers just put down the Bears clearly on Sunday. Yeah, um, and I feel like that's... I mean, we have time we to got, talk about we that. Got we, have, we, we have Friday. We have football Friday for that. Bears right now sit at a 2% chance of making the playoffs. <laughs> And a slightly greater than one percent chance of winning the division, but that's I don't I don't think any of us foresee that happening. What am I going to vote? Would you vote? Did you vote in this poll yet? I did. I, you go? I voted, and I'll tell you. Well, first I want to hear. Well, I'll tell you, and then I want to hear your answer, Nelson. I voted first round by because here's the thing: even if they lose to the Vikings, which I think everybody's circling, that's the game. I'm not certain that they're going to, but let's just say that's the loss. So they finished twelve and four. Uh, you're assuming then. That New Orleans runs the table because right now the Packers are tied with the Saints at ten and three, but the Packers have a better conference record. So right now Green Bay has the two seed. 
So you would assume that New Orleans then would run the table and they would get the two seed, right? Mm-hmm. The Saints play the Colts on Monday Night Football at home this week. I think as shaky as the Saints have been as of late, I think they're going to win that game. But here's the thing. Next week, week 16, on the road, on grass, probably not a very good environment for a team that could still win its division, and it's one of the top five defenses in the NFL, and they've got the hottest quarterback in the NFL. I think Tennessee will beat New Orleans next week in Tennessee. Then the Saints play at home against the Panthers. Yeah, Tannehill's balling. Game. But I think the Saints will lose to the Panthers. The Saints will finish at 12-4. and four. So even if the Packers lose to the Vikings next week, which, again, I'm not certain they're going to, but let's just say, to your point, 6-0, and oh, Vikings payback on their mind. They have played a lot better as of late. Let's say the Packers lose that game. Even if the Packers lose that game, as long as the Tennessee Titans beat the Saints, as I predict they will, guess who still has the two seed? The Green Bay Packers. Green Bay. So I voted... Because I think that's obviously, I think that's honestly what's going to happen. I think the Packers are going to finish 12 and 4, and I think New Orleans is going to lose to Tennessee, and I think the Packers will get the two seed via the tiebreak, and it'll be San Francisco 1, Green Bay 2, New Orleans 3, the winner of that garbage bag division uh, 4. It'll be the Seahawks, will be the toughest luck, like 13 and 3 wild card team yeah, right? in history, and then either the Vikings or Rams will be the six seed. How about you, Nelly? What did you vote, Boyle? I voted division champ because I, I don't think the Saints lose to Tennessee. I think they kind of got their wake up. They had a hell of a game against San Francisco. It was entertaining. It was to a watch. wild game. But, dude, Tannehill's balling. Yeah, but I don't think they have the Isn't caliber he like the second best quarterback right now since who's named full time starter? Oh, first. It was him first? and him, Cousins, and it was some other bizarre. Like the top three quarterbacks the last eight weeks have been crazy, but you're right, Ebo. I mean, he's, he's on fire. He is 7 and 1 this season. His quarterback rating is 118.8. Nelson, he's in fuego. And Derrick Henry is fourth in the NFL in rushing, Nelson. And the Titans have the fourth overall total defense. And they're a tied for the division lead with the Texans, who, by the way, they play on Sunday. You really want to pick against the red hot Titans? Come on, man. Who's a better coach, Sean Payton or Mike Vrabel? Sean Payton. <laughs> Who's a better quarterback? Drew Brees. I'll take the Saints. I mean, I, I, it's, I'm not going to beat you up for picking the Saints. That's a, it's a good pick. I just, and oh, by the way, that, then I obviously, I'm assuming that you're saying the Packers are going to lose to the Vikings because the only way that matters is, or are the Packers losing to the Bears this week? Because I don't think. Whatever happens the next two weeks, Green Bay is not losing to the Lions in Week 17. They're going to win that game. So They'll the question, win that game. Right. So the question then is, Nelson, do you see a loss this week, next week, neither, or both? Well, well I'll, I'll get the Detroit game out of the way. That's a win. Yeah. Detroit's quit on the season. Right. I think Blau we all agree. Is the quarterback. Wow. I, I think if, if Tim Boyle starts that game, they win that game. And he very well may start that game. So I, I think they're going to beat the Lions. So the question is, do you see a loss, Nelson, against the Bears or Vikings or both? I think they lose to the Vikings. I think that's a big revenge game. The Vikings are really good at home. They protect the home field advantage. They dominated the Packers in three out of four quarters. I think they lose to the Vikings up in Minneapolis. And then, I don't know, I'm kind of starting to get a weird feeling about this Bears game. Even if they do win that Bears game, they can potentially, like you said, if the Saints run the table, which I think the Saints will run the table, I think they end up getting the three seed. It just dawned on me. The Packers are beating the Vikings in Minneapolis. Kirk Cousins set an NFL record 0-8 in Monday night football games. That game is on Monday night at 7-15. Kirk Cousins is Ah. 0-8 in his career, an NFL record of losing in Monday night football games. Packers are going into Minneapolis and taking the dub home. 
And I think Rodgers aren't is, trends your friends. Yeah, and Rodgers is something like seventeen and three on Monday Night Football. So um, it's definitely like I just, I thought maybe that's a good point, Evo. I didn't think of that. If it was a Sunday noon game, well, Aaron Rodgers is really good at Sunday noon games too. He's almost undefeated Sunday noon games. Not almost undefeated, but his record's amazing Sunday noon games. But Kirk Cousins is also good at Sunday noon games. Nelson, you talked about it months ago that he's borderline what OCD, OCD according to some people. But, I mean, he's been bucking some of those trends this year. Has he bucked the 0-8 on Monday Night Football, though? Has he played on Monday Night Football yet? Yeah. Did you set the record this year? Yeah, they lost to the Seahawks two weeks ago. Um, that was Monday Night Football. There it is. I take back what I said. The Vikings will be handed their first home loss by the Packers. Coming well, up. if that's the case, uh, it doesn't matter what the Saints do then. Saints get, Nelson, if he, if Evo's trends are his friends, and who doesn't love Action Zone University – uh, the Saints can beat but the Titans 175 to nothing, and have, I'll cheer for that. Have the Packers ever won at the Vikings' new stadium? They have not. Full <laughs> for two. There's, well, something's got to give then. <laughs> Kirk Cousins has never won on Monday Night Football, and the Packers have never loved won in Bergkill Dome Stadium. Something's got to give. Mm. What's it going to be? Why should it be a tie? Um, yeah, that would, it's a regular season game. It could be. Uh, let me see. A tie actually benefits the Packers, though, I believe. We'll take a tie. All right, Packers either win or tie. Yeah, all we, we just we can't have a loss. As long as they don't lose that Viking game, the Packers are the two seed. I'm sticking with my vote, Evo. Well done. You 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 convinced me. Well, you didn't dawn, convince dawned you, on you me. You reaffirmed my vote. It's dawned Thank on you. me. What's more likely, the Packers win a game or lose a game and... Are we giving the rest of the NFC too much credit? New Orleans has to win out. Seattle has to win out. San Francisco has to win out. Maybe we're in a better spot than we think we are, Packer fans. And it's our buddy here on the Wisconsin Football Roundtable Show, former Badger offensive lineman Bill Nagy, hanging out in studio with us this morning. What's up, brother? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. It's man. good to have you Any, on, man. Anytime, yeah. man. I uh, bold move with going sockless in uh, zero degree, Nagy. That's just like you. Yeah. You're like you're like Crockett of the Midwest. You're like the Sunny Crockett, just like Don Johnson. Never. I don't think Don Johnson owned a pair of socks in Miami Vice. Laundry day at the Nagy house. Well, he's man. got the beard. <laughs> Three to little keep him kids. Warm. You gotta. I'm last priority at home, man. <laughs> so yeah, catch us up on uh, your life, man. From being in Wisconsin, a little bit. Of the NFL, then now uh, your family man, yeah. Yep, yep. So I was coaching with uh, Coach Chris at Pitt for a year. Yep. Um, when he made the move back to Wisconsin, I was you know GAing um, with the Badgers for for a season back there, and then transitioned out. Now um, back in the Madison area, raising a family and uh, just working the nine to five. Love it. Well, and, and that uh, you're also on the roundtable show. Sorry, Abe's. and that like that, that thing is like the wild west on Thursday night. If anyone, oh, man, we I so love that fun. show is hilarious, man. So I I actually. Uh, coach at Glacier Creek Middle School, which is just across the street. So, like, Cross Plains is my jam. I love Coach's Club. And I get out of practice, it's like 5.30. And I'm just dying laughing, man. Like, we you guys, so those stories, if you, like, I hope you guys keep that crew together next year, man, because that is hilarious. I think everybody's committed to do it. Yeah. We yeah. had a blast this year. And we an appreciate absolute, that. Oh, that was so we got to appreciate fun. that, you know? Yeah, talking with Brady and Mike, I know that was something that we look forward to every Thursday. And, yeah, we, we truly had a blast. So Mike Taylor it. has, like, the craziest stories. What When Mike Taylor's saying a story of how basically his brother shot him when he was a kid, what's going through your mind? I've heard this story before, and if you were listening and you don't know Mike, you think he's trying to be funny, but that's just Mike dead serious. Like, that's just who he is. His brother shot him with a twenty two. 
Uh, yeah. And he, he walked around for a week with a bullet in his leg. And he wrestled still, I <laughs> and think. They, they and, tried to put a Band-Aid yeah. on it. <laughs> and, then, and then you're oh, telling me sitting there like, what am I going to say now? I know. Brady and I were just sitting there like, we have absolutely <laughs> nothing to add, bud. Like, what, are, what do you say after that? Yeah. Nothing to add. You guys, do you hang out with about a, a bunch of the former Badgers? You guys like getting together and sharing stories and shooting the crap? Yeah, we do. And, you know, as you get older, everybody kind of goes in different directions and family. And the cool thing is a lot of the – former coaches or players that you still keep in touch with too. So um, you get to kind of live it through them a little bit more um, with, you know, Mickey Turner, John Budmeyer, and then obviously Jimmy and some of those guys. But there's there's a good amount of Badgers that move back to the area and um, it's fun. Well, even yeah, the ones that like even the ones that move out, like at nine o'clock today, we're gonna have Matt Bernstein on. He moved yeah. to New York. He 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 loves us so much that he's like, I'll do anything for you guys. He'll fly back occasionally, but he'll call in every Tuesday at nine. Well, he married a Verona girl. Yeah, so I don't know if that's a hundred percent by. by <laughs> <That's> no. <right. laughs> hey, we say that, Bill, uh, former Badger <laughs> offensive lineman Bill Nagy, hanging all this. All right, so what's your take on Saturday night? I mean, like you always want to win and you want to compete. I'm like, okay, once they got up 21-7 and half, I'm like, done deal. Like, win, sweet, but whatever, because now they got the Rose Bowl. I'm like, even if they had won that game, they're still going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you don't want to see your team lose, and it's cool to say Big Ten champion, but I'm like, they still got to the Rose Bowl. Wasn't that kind of the goal going into the game Saturday night? Yeah, I, I think looking at that game, what I took from it was Ohio State is that good because you saw that second half and that, you know, when they get rolling, they are very, very tough to stop. But how they came out and, you know, how Cephas played, what was it, 10 targets in the first half, um, ran the ball well. Um, and you, you'd hate to say moral victory, but um, I'm proud is. of those guys. You that know, first I half was, was proud of watching them. And yeah. obviously the second half wasn't, wasn't fun to watch, but um, Ohio State is that good. And I think Wisconsin this year um, – Played up to their potential and then some. Um, just take away the Illinois game. That's my take on it. So what what's it like playing in the horseshoe compared to playing on like a neutral field like Wisconsin did in the Big Ten yeah, Championship? It's not even close. I mean, you take the pre-snap um, advantage that you get as an offensive lineman. You can't hear anything with some of those. And people forget, too, that none of the players on that roster had even been to Ohio State before just because they'd only – I think the last time oh, they were yeah. there was like six, seven years ago maybe. You can't so hear anything. Nobody, yeah, every you can't hear a thing, and none of the, all those players are just like, "Hey, you know, Coach Turner, Coach Budmeyer, what's what's it like to play at Ohio State? Is it pretty cool?" And they're just like, "Man, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea until you actually go and do it." And granted, Iowa's tough. Um, Michigan can be tough, but I think Ohio State's by far the hardest place to play in the Big. So team. I have to ask you. I mean, Chase Young, up for a Heisman um, a finalist now. Chase Young is insane. When you're at the horseshoe, right? Uh, who's the who's the the strongest, toughest guy you've had to guard against? Like a player, is there a player similar to Chase Young that you had to try and stop? You know, there was a player for Ohio State actually, and I wasn't directly over him, but Gabe Karimi probably remembers it. Vernon Golston, that game at Ohio State, and Vernon Golston, he didn't have a very good NFL career, but he was a top ten pick for the Jets, I think, and. um I remember that game. It was one of those four sack games, you know, pressure, you know, yeah. absolutely insane. But that's the one. And Adrian Claiborne, too, at Iowa. Those were the two similarities from Chase Young. But I think he's a, in a completely different, he's a monster, different level. And 
Here's the deal, too. They have two guys up for the Heisman this year with the the quarterback and Chase oh, Young. Oh, dude, don't get me started. And that's just, just splitting the vote. It's just a wasted vote. It's like when you I, know Ralph Nader runs for president. Just go <laughs> ahead and end it, man. I mean, you're splitting votes here, Nagy. I think you take away the quarterback and put Dobbins in there. That dude's a stud. Would you the have Dobbins back? in there or, or JT? I think JT's a better running back. Yeah, but. If you're going to put the quarterback in there from Ohio State, I think you, I think the running back's a better player. From a statistical standpoint, no, yeah. but from Let's a better turn into football a quarterback player, award, no. that's what it is. Yeah. But I'd like to see a defensive guy win it, even though I hate Ohio State. <laughs> All right, so I, yeah, thank you, my man. Sorry, so I, I'm wrestling with this as a Badger fan. I mean, this is always the great debate, right? Is is Wisconsin in that? elite class and what's it going to ever take you know to be the Ohio State the Alabama and you know that's the college football playoff and I'm like do we always want to be greedy and aspire to that or do you say look man this is this is Rose Bowl number what now seven in the last 20 years like how can you expect more like we're in the Rose Bowl man where it's the granddaddy of them all like so do you I mean do you say 100% success this season do you say no dude you were the sixth ranked team in the country at one point the goal should have been the college football playoff. Like I feel like Wisconsin, we're in like that Neverland, Bill. Like or that like that, that, that ether between Alabama and then like you know Indiana, where like they would die to have this just once yeah. in their life, and we've now had it seven times in twenty years for sure. And this is how I look at it: the path that Bielema was going as Paul Christ and some of the D coordinators and some of the talent we had, and then. I, I capped that era off with the Russell Wilson deal. And then all of a sudden you had a transition in coaching staff. So you were building it up to get to that point, and then all of a sudden it was torn down. When Paul Chris came back in 2014, 15, whatever it was, he really had to put the pieces in place to start building it up again. So I think you're starting to see you know, some of that consistency to where you can continue to build on it. But the reality is it's it's hard to compete against some of those top schools from a recruiting standpoint. And I don't know if you want to when you start looking at the academics and how tough it is to get into the university. So I would rather have just a consistently good football team than um, – you well, know, that's what's funny. Maybe you say bend that, the rules Bill. a little bit, and yeah. I don't want to, you know, call anybody not well, a we rule follower. But we had a listener We had a listener calling yesterday and say the only way Wisconsin's going to compete with Alabama is if they drop academics at Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. that was a line that's, of the day. That's true. And I'm like, I didn't even know if they take classes at Alabama. I'm like, do they actually have a school or do they just show up for football? Practice? Underwater like, basket weaving. But you, I mean, you win here. How? And I look, I was recruited you know, to go here. Like, how big a deal? And people, they they don't think about it because all you think about is the games, like. The academics is a real thing at Wisconsin. Just in the Big Ten, look at the, getting into Michigan State versus Wisconsin. It's night and day. Weren't you like, all academic Big Ten? Yeah, yeah, yeah. once or twice. I think. Oh man, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's a it, it, the, I'll the, take it. The, the academics. Yeah, I think it was all, all four years actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's part of the deal, right? I mean, it, no, this it is. is a big it time is. academic institution, and everybody takes pride in that too. And the way that Wisconsin recruits and the walk on tradition. Um, if you start bending the rules, I don't think the locker room is going to be as close. I don't think you're going to have that much long-term success. I think, you know, with recruiting and bringing in some, I don't want to say, you could call it what it is, different type of character guys. That's that coach speak coming out right there. Yeah, and when you start <laughs> when you start doing that, everything changes, man. Yeah, the coaches How don't they- want to stay. Like everything changed. Academic advisors, the turnover, the culture—it just completely changed. How'd they, the get, you? How'd they get you? 
you know what? Because you're was, an out-of-state product. How'd they get you? It was just a combination of everything. Yeah. It was good football, a great school, and you knew you were going to have fun doing it, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was that. And I take it as maybe a little bit of a step down from some of those other schools where they go after the five-star and they can get you know every All-American that they want and you know they, they chase the stars, but – that's that's kind of what it comes down to with those guys. It's just a factory. It's a football factory because there's as much as you don't want to think. And Chase Young's a <clears throat> absolute freak, but you know there's three other guys behind him that can sure. rush the passer, passer. And I remember breaking down Alabama tape when I was coaching, and there were guys when you're looking at numbers and you're like, ah, this guy, I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> and it's like number three on the depth chart, and then you reference back, and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy was a first-round pick. <laughs> he's a guy that's just, like, scraping to get snaps on their yeah. defense. Oh, that guy's a first-round right? pick, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, they have, you know, however many future first-round picks that are just sitting on the bench. <laughs> but that's what it is. It just becomes a factory, and it's really hard to compete against. I have them. to ask you, what's it like playing in a Rose Bowl? I just think the tradition is so cool about what the Rose Bowl is. Yeah. And with Did you get this, like butterflies walking in there? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it is it's just, you know, growing up and watching that as a kid and in this day and age where there's 40 bowl games or whatever it is, there's 70 plus teams playing and it's it's almost like college football playoff or you get to go to a bowl that has tradition mm-hmm. and all the other ones it's just uh, you know, a brand and you don't even know what it is. It's just a location. What was the gift that you got? It was um, they had a suite, so you could choose whatever it was. Like, oh, I was thinking like of, it wasn't the leather stuff. jacket. Was, no, that was oh. that was uh, <laughs> dude. What was that? I think oh, that was the Outback Bowl one, dude. dude. I remember Bielema showing that to the team. <laughs> he brought it out, and he thought it was the coolest thing in the They're world. They're like these and... baggy '90s leather looking yeah. jackets, oh, right? Well, but also, it was yeah, like they... a trench coat, and it had and like Bielema's one like, and yeah, zero. Look at these boys. <laughs> it had like one and zero embroidered on the back. To, and everybody's to like, be oh, honest, Bill, you still have yours. Yeah, it's a joke. We pass them around like guys will wear them to like weddings and stuff. And <laughs> to be honest, Bill, when 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 Beal McCoach, when you played, I was the uh, I, I was working Channel Three News, and I I actually hung out with Beal a few times, and that was I may have rocked a few of the Affliction shirts yeah. and and the yeah. bedazzled jeans because Beal was a big bedazzled jean and Affliction yeah. guy. Yeah. So, you know, to be fair, <laughs> the leather jacket fit right in with his wardrobe. But I may have had the similar taste in clothing in, like, 2008, 2009. So. Yeah. How old were you when you got that leather jacket? And what And what are you – I mean, obviously in the 20s. What are you thinking? I was, like, 20. <laughs> and this is a funny story. So I, I, like, brought it back home after the season, like, gave it to my dad. I'm like, dude, I'm never going to wear this. Like, just take it. And he's like, son – you're going to want this someday. I'm going to save this for you. So that's why like everybody saved it because they just gave them to their dad. Fashion comes back and it around. Just kinda, yeah, everything you know, comes cool. It was passed down, but there was not one guy that. So it's got one and all embroidered on it? Yeah, I'll bring it in for you guys. <laughs> hey, you, you guys can hang it up Yeah, we'll take it all over the Hall of Fame. Continue hanging out with our guy, Bill Nagy, former Badger O-lineman, and uh, you can hear him every Thursday on our uh, football roundtable show during the season. So O-lineman, Bill Nagy. I uh, got to get your take on uh, Tyler Biotich, all Big Ten. Uh, more than every mock draft I, I see him as is going anywhere from, you know, 10 to 20. Uh, you were a great one. You played with a lot of great ones. Uh, where is he going to, you know, going to be fit in, you know, the discussion of great offensive linemen when it's all said and done? He's a stud, man. And I remember, actually, the way Wisconsin found Tyler was at the Wisconsin football camp. He's an Amherst kid, self-made. Nobody knew who he was. 
came to camp in the summer um, where guys wearing pads, doing one-on-ones, and he earned earned a scholarship that weekend, which was cool because that's not the story of yeah. this day and age where you know recruiting and the stars and everybody chasing him. It was dude showed up to camp, earned a scholarship. Two days later, he committed, and that dude has just worked his tail off since um, and takes a lot of pride from where he comes from. I, I know that. Um, good family, hard worker. What's it take to put in the work, though, as a guy that's done it? Because it's you know it's an unsung position. What's it take? What do you got to do with, behind the scenes that no one sees besides I eat think, a lot? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I think that I think that Coach Rudolph does such a good job getting those guys motivated and excited. But I do think that it starts with Ross Kalaji and the weight room staff, um, just challenging those guys. And people don't realize that the weight room and the strength and conditioning staff spend more time than the actual position coaches with the kids when you look at the whole span of the year. They're not napping or nothing? No. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're not napping. But, uh, yeah, the, those guys are the best, and I know that um, you know they do everything possible to, to get those guys ready to roll and, and to push those guys. And you want to just be humbled, walk into the weight room and have Coach Kalaji there, and he doesn't give anybody a break. Yeah. And I think – you know, some of the leaders on the team, you know, and you can't necessarily say this from last year's team, but this year you have, you know, JT, Biotic, some of those guys really taking it to heart and setting good examples for the young guys. And I'll throw Chris Orr in there too. Um, but that's why I think this team has been able to, you know, get to 10 wins and get to the Rose Bowl. I was asked as the linemen that come in, played in the NFL, once you left the NFL, how much weight did you lose? You know, probably about sixty pounds initially. Yeah, and you kind of hover around. That's normal. Is there sixty you, to you seventy pounds? You start plateauing a little bit. Yeah. So it's easy the first twenty, thirty. Pounds I thought like Gabe easy. Karimi had been like abducted by like the Taliban and was like living in a cave when I saw him. Like he looked like emaciated compared to what he played, and he was still enormous. Like yeah. well, it's even, crazy. Well, look at Joe Thomas too. You know those guys yeah. are like yeah. you go from being over three hundred for. You know the last decade plus of your life, and then you're two thirty, two forty. How big? How how heavy did you get when you're when you're playing uh, days? My heaviest was senior year, Wisconsin. I was like three fifteen. How much did you eat? Good lord, what do you weigh now? You're like. And it was it was eating, but it was also. Well, you're a big dude anyway. We were working and the the stuff you're doing in the weight room and. If just only Nelson training. had been a foot taller, Bill Nagy, because he can eat like that. The problem is he's <laughs> five four. He needed another 12 inches. Yeah, he could have been an offensive lineman. 6'3". Uh, six, three. Six, yeah. Three, yeah. All you needed was a foot, Nelson. You have the diet. You just don't have the height. He's just sitting there shaking. <laughs> he always shakes his head. We appreciate yeah. you, pal. Thanks, brother. Uh, for hanging out. Bill yeah, Nagy, man, he's guys. the best. Uh, he will be uh be He says he's coming back. I can quote you on that. You're coming back yeah, for the roundtable next year? Committed. we got to hey. get you golfing this time in the average Joe, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And we'll get I'm you there. back. Uh, we're, we're doing some big stuff with the Rolls Bowl. We'll get you back in here, brother. Thank you, pal. We've been talking uh, playoff scenarios, and Green Bay with really, I mean, could you could you argue Evil all four of these champs? I mean, do you think any one of these are there's no chance? From home field advantage, first round by division champ Wild Carters, they're one or two on the list where you say, well, that's just stupid. They're not going to lose all three, or they're not going to win all three. I mean, is there Or could you see a doomsday scenario, or could you see a stars aligned scenario? What happens if they lose to the Bears and the Vikings but beat the Lions? Uh, that would have to know put what else them happens, at right? what that would put. So they would be eleven and five. 
Um, if the Vikings won the rest of their games, then the Vikings would be 12-4, and four, uh, and they would win the division. So I guess you could see potentially a wild card at 11-5. and five. Do you do you see that happening? Or is that the wild, crazy, long-shot scenario? I think, well, the, the, Losing all three is not going to happen. I was going to say, so going one and two puts you at 11 and five. Um, Minnesota plays the Chargers this week, then they play the Packers, then they play the Bears. So under that scenario where you just gave the Packers losing twice, the Vikings would have to run the table because if they lost one of those three, it's still the, the Packers would still win the division even at 11 and five. So that would be where you scoreboard watch, right? Yes. Um, so that would be the bad. Now, could you see a scenario where the Packers get to 13-3 and three and New Orleans and or San Francisco has lost a game or two in the next three weeks? I mean, yeah, anything's possible in this, right? There's, there's, we never thought that the Packers would lose with the Chargers. Well, I never thought they'd be ten and three with three weeks. And there's to go. also that. I never I thought, thought they'd be, they'd 10 and be three. a miracle. I I would have danced a jig in the street. We should have made a bet. I, I would have tried to. I probably would have ate a baseball for if they won more than ten games this year. So I, I I never thought they'd be ten and three. So this is house money they're playing with, in my opinion, for the next three weeks. Man, um, so many scenarios. I think the one that's out of the one that's least likely to happen, I think, is the wild card. Don't you think? Yeah, because I think that the only way you get there is you lose all three. Yeah. And I, I think we all three agree the Lions have completely checked out in the season. And to be fair, their roster's checked out. They, they just don't have healthy bodies. No. So I can't see a scenario where the Packers, if they're still playing for something, and at this point they're either playing for the division first round by home field. There's not a scenario where they lose that game. So then the question becomes this Sunday and next Sunday. And if you just split those two, you're probably still winning the division and I think you have a 50-50 shot of still getting a first-round bye if you split the next two weeks. Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest odds of losing will what, be the Vikings game and then the Bears and then obviously the Lions. So if you just lose to the Vikings but win the other two, then, I still you're, think you're, winning the division. then you're winning the division. Yeah, and I think you've got, again, if the Saints lose, and I think they will lose to Tennessee next week, you're still getting the first-round bye. And I, look, at this point, that that's a first-round bye. Then you're going to play the highest remaining seed because the number one seed, the team at his home field, will get the lowest seed. So you're going to probably play the three seed, which would be then the Saints. How ironic would that be that then New Orleans would come to Green Bay uh, for the divisional round? Tough game, but I like Green Bay's chances in the muck in yeah. mid-January. I like it at home more than and like on the road. probably more than likely you're going back to San Francisco for the NFC Championship No, game. no more California. Well, we that, don't need any California. You'd have to. That's the Super Bowl oh, on the line. Yeah. Oh. Could you imagine an NFC Championship game in in Cali where the Packers have laid two gigantic turds on the field? If the Packers win their next three games, I'll tell you guys right now, that's the game. If Because if they get the two seed, they're, they're going to win that divisional game at home. The Packers win the next three games. The NFC Championship game is going to be Green Bay, San Francisco. Oh, it makes me sick. Just I cannot about it. see Dallas or Minnesota or Philadelphia beating San Francisco in the second round. 49ers are going to be in the NFC Championship game. And I think they're going to play either the Packers or the Saints. I think whoever gets the two seed plays San Francisco to go to the Super Bowl. That's how critical. Did you talk about the Bear game? That's how critical this Bear I mean, this Bear game could be the key to a first round bye on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, this is a big one, man. Real big one. And now if they've, oh, God, I just don't, I want to avoid California at all costs. Is there any scenario? Well, the Niners' schedule, 
Yeah, they could lose twice. So it's they, tough down the stretch. So the scenario that you need then or you would want to happen is this 49ers, they're not going to lose to the to the uh, Falcons this week. 49ers are a 13-point favorite at home. They're going to win that game. But here's what you root for. You root for the Rams in Week 16. Who are still in it. Who are, who are very much, well, as far as a wild card, yeah. I mean, if With the, a 34% right now. Right. So you need the Rams to beat them. And then Week 17, San Francisco at Seattle. You would need Seattle to win that game. And if that happened and Green Bay wins its three games, guess what? Then San Francisco, New Orleans, anybody else, then they have to go to Green Bay. Then the road to the Super Bowl. How, I couldn't even believe saying that. In year one of Matt LaFleur with the dysfunction of Aaron Rodgers this offseason that the road to the Super Bowl would go through Green Bay? So you're telling me there's a chance. Holy buckets. Now wouldn't that be something? I think God. we might want to put this Super Bowl talk a little bit on hold, especially when I believe <laughs> a rain- guy can dream. Nelson. Nelson, are you trying to rein us in right now? I believe Let it was live. just yesterday we talked about how terrible they looked against the lowly Washington That's Redskins true. with Dwayne Haskins on one foot. True, and it was at home. True. Yeah, but you guys. So I'm going to say just let's. But let let a man dream. Right. And you guys know the craziness of the NFL. Remember when? And I was first one. I was digging the shovel. When Drew Brees broke his thumb, and I said, "Well, that's the end of New Orleans. That's one less team we can worry about." And then they went five and zero with Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback. Yeah. So I don't know the. I mean, the weird things happen in the NFL. I, I I do I think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback right now? No. Do I like the chances of Aaron Rodgers getting hot for two or three games in January when he loves the cameras and the stage on him? Absolutely. So what, Nelson, while I more tend to believe. They're closer to the team that eked by the terrible Redskins on Sunday. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers give one more crack at the 49ers in January or a shot at Drew Brees in January. I'm willing to make that bet that I'll bet on Rodgers in late January in the playoffs, especially when he hasn't been there in two years, especially when he's talking all this 18th hole crap. Uh, I, I, I just... I would like to see Rodgers in the playoffs well, and see what he could do right now. I'd be willing to bet that the Packers won the Super Bowl this year if I was seeing the Aaron Rodgers of five years ago. If you got that explosive offense where Aaron Rodgers could make any throw whenever he wanted, he used his legs more, he's looking downfield, they had a nice scramble drill, nice relationship between him and his receivers, I think a team like that could win a Super Bowl. I think the defense is good enough if the offense was, but this offense has looked terrible for much of the season. What game do you think they really played well against outside of Oakland? I mean, I, the Dallas game. Um, and Dallas is a bunch of chumps. Yeah. And no, they're I a bunch look. of talent. All I hear is potential, potential, potential. And it's Dak, a terrible word. And just think of that. Dak Prescott threw for 463 yards. They had over 500 yards of offense, but the defense was the bend, not break. No, I look, again, 608-321-1670. What scenario makes the most sense right now? Uh, I I agree, Nelson, that the Super Bowl talk is premature. I'm just saying if it gets to the scenario that Ebo is asking, because he doesn't want to go back to California, and I can't disagree with him, I'm just trying to find a way where the Packers don't have to go back to California. And at this point, the only way the Packers don't go back to California in the playoffs is they win all three games, which includes winning at Minnesota next week, and San Francisco loses two of its next three games. I'm just saying, what do you... What this should be a poll coming up. What's more likely to give? Kirk Cousins remains goes to zero and nine in Monday Night Football games, or the Packers, or the Vikings, or what? The Packers what? Win there for the first time. No, that would be yeah for the first time. Guess what? Great news for you. That's a great question. And guess what? 
those two teams play next week, I think that would be a dynamite Twitter poll probably next, next Tuesday week, or Wednesday. Week. I think it's a put that I'm going to write that mother mm, file. Look at all these great ones you and Nelson. You guys were rapid firing topics yeah. uh, during the the commercial break. I'm yeah. going to add that one to the list while yeah. I go to the phones right now. Yeah. 608-321-1670. Jeff, welcome to the Joe and Ebo show. Hey, morning. What's up, Jeff? Yeah, I, so so here's where I'm struggling with Rodgers and it's not on him not making the big throws. And it's not even on guys like MGS not stepping up. It's it's a little bit of scheme, which I hope it's not him audibling on third and one and throwing 27 yards downfield, which happened again Sunday, which was so reminiscent of the you know the last couple of McCarthy years. Um, difference being, we actually have a running game right now. Statistically speaking, all the way up to third and three, you're running the ball, especially if you're inside of your opponent's 50. And if you got to run twice, you run twice. And it's Aaron Jones right now who is capable of putting up 150 to 200 yards from the line of scrimmage through pass, you know, receiving and rushing. And we're throwing 20 yards. And, by the way, we aren't in sync. He's not in sync. No. With, with more than one receiver on that field. And you're throwing a lot. Now, thankfully, they went for it and got it on fourth and one or whatever. But they are making what we said about And I hung on to McCarthy much longer than a lot of this fan base. But what we were saying towards the end is he makes it so impossibly hard on himself. The answers are right in front of him. And rather than just move the chains and get into rhythm, they're breaking it up with these ridiculous home run-like plays. No, Jeff, you're right. You know what's crazy? And you're so right. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this. You know what made me realize it? because I had a huge vested interest in a terrible Monday night game between a 5-7 and seven and a 2-10 and 10 team, and where yep. I had a Packers epiphany last night, watching <clears throat> Eli Manning, because he's so old and so non-athletic, all, and they, he was getting rid of the ball, they were showing a clock, in less than two seconds, and you know what he was? Completing, like, every pass, and I'm like, why don't they do that with Rodgers? He's, like, 50 times more accurate than Eli Manning, and he was just taking two steps and throwing it, two steps and throwing it, and it was working every single play last night. Yeah, and I'll just say one more thing. At some point, you've got to throw guys open. Mm-hmm. You've got to throw them open. He's good enough. And if 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 MVS isn't going to be that guy, we know Lazard. By the way, talk to any Iowa State alum. Lazard is the real deal. He is like that Jordy guy who caught a thousand balls in college, uh, which is super tough to do, especially at a program like Iowa State. Throw throw the guy open. It, 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 I'm just not – at least they're using Graham more. But it, Jeff. We, we got it. We, go ahead. If, if you go back and watch tape, because there's some guys on Twitter that break down a ton of tape, um, Aaron Rodgers is hanging on to the ball too long, getting a little happy feet in the pocket, and then trying to run when he has wide receivers wide open. I don't know what he's yeah. doing. He's just hanging on to the ball and then takes a sack or runs a couple yards or throws it out. Yeah, we figure that out. We're just fine because the defense is good enough. It, it, it just is, but we got to have a potent offense to beat those teams. Yeah. Thanks, yep. thanks for that. Thanks, thanks Jeff. Have thanks, a good one, man. Thanks, Jeff. Stay yeah, warm. I mean, look, it's not very good right now. Here's where I would again, and we're, we're kind of getting away from the topic, but look, whatever. Um, is those that four and a win streak? They didn't have Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers had to throw guys open, and he was he had the best quarterback rating of the season when he had what everyone said is nowhere else here. So you know they can do it. I don't know why they haven't done that to Jeff's question last. I don't know if that's on Rodgers or LaFleur or both, but they've done it. They, they they did what Jeff just suggested during four games when they had no Devontae Adams and Rodgers had a perfect passer rating. So really not that crazy of a concept. Give the ball right. to Aaron Jones. 
I would never give up on uh, having our guy uh, Tony Cartagena join us because I love the Milwaukee Bucks, especially right now. 15 in a row. Tony, at what point do you stop and say, what am I really watching here as you were sitting there at Pfizer Forum last night watching the 15th win in a row? At some point, I'm going to have to start figuring out when the Bucks are just like having a practice on the court versus actually competing against other teams, honestly. I feel like they're just running different things, throwing out different lineups to test things at this point because they're, they're making it look relatively easy. Tony, what will I mean? What will look easier? Them beating the Magic last night, or is it a little workman? Or them beating the L.A. Clippers, one of the best teams? It looked easier to beat the Clippers, honestly. Orlando at least gave them a game and made it interesting in the final two to three minutes when they were up. Milwaukee was up. I, I want to say it hit twenty at one point, and then you know Orlando battled back, battled back, hit a couple threes, and it was all of a sudden it was nine, and it was seven, and. Uh, then Chris Middleton came up pretty big for Milwaukee. But, yeah, going back to that Friday game against the Clippers, they were 40-plus. Like, that shouldn't happen in anything but a 2K game when you're playing, like, an 8-year-old online. Like, honestly, like that, <laughs> those, those things don't occur in real life. So, Sounds like you've done that before, they, Tony. Uh, I have not. I'm not a big online guy. I just like to play against friends. But, like, the 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 way the Bucks made that thing look, it was – it, it honestly looked fake at one point where all of a sudden they were on a 39-9 run in the third quarter, and it was just like we're talking about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, arguably the best defensive tandem in the NBA, and they have Patrick Beverly, who's a pest everywhere. And this is what you're doing to them on national television? Or no, excuse me, it wasn't on national television, but probably the game Should've of the night. Been. Like It was unbelievable. Uh, talking with our guy, uh, Tony Cartagena, on the box. So, you know, you, you start to look at, Tony, wh- how long can this thing go? Where can you take this streak? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and advance the Bucks to 16 tomorrow night against a lowly Cleveland team. Here would be my question. Friday night at Memphis. Now, the Grizzlies aren't very good, but the dreaded load management in the NBA, you know, we played three games in four or in five days then, or a quick turnaround for a road game. Um, you know, would, would the Bucks consider resting – Giannis, Middleton, coming back from an injury, would that be at all a game to circle? Or I mean, look, you're talking about a 7-16 and 16 team. Even if, say, they rested guys in that game, they're still good enough with what they're doing right now to, to beat that game. And then now you take it into next week, and now you're talking, you know, Mavericks and Lakers. Yeah, so they have New Orleans tomorrow, and that game's actually a late one in Milwaukee. It's like 8-30, because I think they, when they schedule this thing, Zion Williamson was supposed to be in the marquee. I don't see New Orleans being able to beat uh, to be able to beat Milwaukee if they're playing at full strength. But what you bring up with load management is interesting. Um, I did ask Mike Budenholzer yesterday about they had a lockout day on Sunday where they kept all the players off the practice court and out of the facility, and I asked him if it was hard to keep Giannis away. And he said that he wished he knew how to like work one of the 100 cameras inside of the practice facility and then had to ask a couple couple spies whether or not they saw any players at, at the facility, and it sounded like they were able to keep Giannis away. But he should just hire a Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard to keep him off the court. But the NBA, like, so obviously load management is not a rule. It's kind of just one of those unwritten rules. It's frowned upon. But they also it's frowned upon a dude on the road, uh, especially against a team from the other conference. So Giannis only goes to Memphis once this year. I would be very surprised if they rested him against Memphis on the road the only time they go there, just to comply with NBA rules and able to keep him off the court. But the following night, Saturday night, they do host Cleveland. 
think Cleveland has six wins this year. The Bucks' next three games are against teams with no more than seven wins. Going into yesterday, I was looking at it before yesterday's game. Like New Orleans has, I think, six wins. I think Memphis has seven. Cleveland, like, six. Uh, this thing could go. You never know what's going to happen against Dallas because Luka Doncic is the real deal. He's good. Um, and it could just be a superstar matchup and see what happens. But this could easily go till December 19th. Not easily, but this could go till December 19th when they host the Lakers. And then kind of all bets are off. But you, who knows? I mean, the Bucks are competing with everybody right now. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they do beat the Lakers as well. well- Tony, do you think you know their success and their win streak right now at fifteen could be more? Are they the deepest team in the NBA? Like, could they just unload the bench mob and still win by what are they averaging now? Well, they almost win by like twenty points, sixteen points, whatever it is. Could they still do it with the bench mob? Well, over their last five or so, going into last night, they were winning games by an average of like thirteen and a half over the last week, gotcha. and then last night they won by nine. So, what are they winning them by eleven and a half, twelve points almost? So, um. I, I don't know if they're necessarily the deepest team in the league. I do know that every one that they bring in off the bench, has, and I, and I kind of want to go look to see if they are the deepest team. They very well might be, but I know that everyone they bring in off the bench has a role and plays that role very, very well. Uh, and they just fit so well together. This team might not be about the biggest superstars in the world. I saw a Twitter thread the other day about how on a championship team or on a very good team, Chris Middleton is the third or the fourth option. And granted, I think that's true, but in Milwaukee, he's the number two option because he fits his game and his mold just fits so well with Giannis. And that's what I think the Bucks bench offers as well. Like when they need some tough minutes, they have Robin Lopez. When they need a guard that can shoot and defend, they have Dante DiVincenzo. When someone's hurt, they bring in DJ Wilson, like, or the savvy vet in Ursan. Like, they just have guys who fit what exactly what they need to do. And the most important thing, and I give Bud and Giannis and Bled and Middleton, those leaders, the uh, the credit here, is that everyone buys in. Like Wesley Matthews could have gone and played on a team where he probably scored 20 a night and took a bunch of threes and didn't win many games. He's bought in to the Bucks system. And young guys like Dante, who are looking at future contracts from the Bucks or other teams, buy into this system. So... That's really what I think it is. I don't know if it's necessarily top-to-bottom talent, but it's top-to-bottom fit and chemistry and teamwork for sure. It's it's impressive to watch. Hey, uh, Tony, before I let you go, obviously you mentioned the Laker game next week, and whether the Bucks are still running this win streak or not, it, it, it's still the, the game of the year to this point in, in Milwaukee and probably the NBA. Uh, what is the, like, the buzz for that game? Is there like a, a craze for secondary ticket market, like – could you find out what in God's name a courtside seat's going to be at that thing uh, going for? Like, how much hype do you think there's going to be for Bucks Lakers next week? Well, I think there's going to be a lot naturally just because it's LeBron James coming to town. And, I mean, who doesn't want to see LeBron? Right now, on the secondary market, the lowest ticket that I'm seeing on Vivid Seats is 115 So there's definitely some buzz for that because to put it in perspective, the lowest ticket for tomorrow night is $8. So... Over the course of you know eight days, the tickets go from eight bucks to one hundred and fifteen dollars. So yeah, there's definitely some buzz surrounding that game. And look, it's Anthony Davis, it's LeBron James, it's the Lakers. Like the Lakers will always be a staple in the NBA. And Giannis wants to go up against them and and prove everyone that Milwaukee, a small market, quote unquote, can can compete with those with those markets as well. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Look, if 
the coverage that happened when the Clippers were here and the amount of people that L.A. sent to Milwaukee to cover that game, I expect it to be even bigger for the Lakers game, and I'm really, really excited to be down there. I love Hell it. Yeah, uh, dude. Th- th- good stuff, man. Uh, tough tough gigs for you coming up uh, the next week, but uh, <laughs> I know you'll do your best to, to soldier on, Tone. Uh, something like that. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. See, there he is, Tony Cartagena, our Bucks reporter. Yeah, that's a good week for Tony next week. Four home games in the next seven days against two of them, the Mavericks and the Lakers. That's good work it's if you can get it. It's going to be pretty good basketball. Yeah. Here's another guy you can't stop. You can only hope to contain. Former Badger Matt Bernstein. Tuesdays with Bernie. Bernie, I got to start with this. You know, you're always telling Evo and I you're missing out on all these great events that Evo and I are at. You're like, what are you guys going to bring me to one of your events? Let me see here. In the last calendar week, Matt Bernstein's been watching Badger Basketball Barclays Center with Barry Alvarez and walking a red carpet in in, Brooklyn, in, in Manhattan with Joe Thomas for the College Football <laughs> Hall of Fame. When the hell do I get these invites? Dude, you're more than invited. You're more than welcome to come to New York. Yeah, dude, last night was really cool. So, Bernie, what were you doing last night? So, Joe Thomas is getting inaugurated into the College Football Hall of Fame, and it was like a pre-party to that. I mean, it was like, you know, from four to six, drinks, food. But I got to, I got to hang out with my guy Joe, you know, so it, it was awesome. And I, did I see you hanging out with the Don again, Barry Alvarez again, too? Barry, yes. The Don was there. He was in full effect. I saw his wife, Cindy. Yeah, man. It was, uh, you know, Chris McIntosh is there just, like, talking old, old stupid stories. This is fun. Well, I mean, Joe Thomas, uh, Bernie, you know, you, you were here around the same time. I mean, what, what that guy did, I mean, he, he, he's he got to be not just offensive line. He's one of the great players ever here to come through Wisconsin. I mean, I, I heard he had, a, like, a lot of good um, fullbacks that made him look really good. <laughs> That's what I heard, too. <laughs> it's actually funny. Like, in the Penn State game, you know how good this guy was? We ran 90% of the plays to the left. You go back and watch, like, almost all the plays we did were to Joe Thomas. He was... I would say he's probably one of the best Wisconsin players ever and definitely one of the best linemen in college football history. So what kind of drinks did they have there last night, Bernie? I mean, you know, they had whiskey, they had wine, they had beer. What what was the Bernstein go-to? I started off with a white wine, and then I went to a red. <laughs> uh, never mix your wines, Bernie. And so Joe Thomas, you know, we, we, we talked to him uh, at the Easter Shows game. He's, he says he puts at somewhere between 60 and 80 pounds that he's lost since his playing days. I want to know, has Matt Bernstein lost or actually gained weight since his playing days? I, I think I've lost I – mean, I hope I've lost some weight. I was humongous. But uh, not. A, I don't look as good as Joe Thomas. Look, I punched him in the stomach. And, like, one of his abs punched me back. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he is, like, got an eight-pack right now. Dude is yoked. He is yoked. He looks fantastic. He doesn't look like a lineman. He looks like a like a soup, like a like an underwear supermodel. So, Bernie, we also, earlier today at 740, we had another lineman. We had Bill Nagy in. You guys were just sharing some stories a couple weeks ago at the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. So we had all kinds of Badgers around today. It's awesome, man. I love Bill. He's such a good dude. Yeah, he's awesome. So, Bernie, I have to ask you, man. We were talking to the, a little bit of the Jets Oof. and Le'Veon Oof. Bell. Le'Veon Bell was spotted bowling uh, in New York. He was sick, out practice for two days, and declared out for the game on Sunday against the Dolphins. But he was spotted bowling at 1 a.m. wearing orange leather pants. Is bowling like a huge scene around bar time in New York? 
Um, I mean, he was in New Jersey, so I have no idea what they do out there. Um, (laughs) I read that article, and to be honest, I'm obsessed with that he's wearing leather orange pants to bowl. Like, how do you bowl in anything but, like, sweat? That was my biggest question. Like, how are you bowling in leather pants? And also, the Jets are a debacle, no matter if they win or lose. This is a human... I mean, come on. The guy's with the flu, but he's bowling? I don't know. Let's not talk about them. Yeah. The <laughs> let's not ever. talk about them. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the, the positivity that's the Rose Bowl. And I asked Bill Nagy this. I'll ask you the same question, Bernie. Look, you always want to win. You want to see your team win. It's cool to raise banners and championships and say you're Big Ten champs. But, I mean, honestly, the goal for me as a Badger fan going into that game was to somehow protect the Rose Bowl, win or lose, Mission accomplished. So, of course, you want to beat Ohio State, but I look at the night as a total success because they kept the game close enough to keep the Rose Bowl in play, and that's what they were playing for anyway. They weren't getting to no college football playoff. The goal was to get to the Rose Bowl. They got to the Rose Bowl. I say mission accomplished Saturday night. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit with you. I mean, obviously, I wanted to win. The way we played in the first half, what, what's amazing is even if we played close to the way we played in the first half, we would have destroyed every team we played prior except for Ohio State. I, like, I was so proud that first half, the way these guys fought. You know what, to me it was? The second Chris Orr went down, I mean, that was really like the beginning of the end. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and so, they, but Bernie, ahead. can I ask you, can you take a moral victory? I know we don't like giving them moral victories, but can you take a moral victory from that first half against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game? I mean, for sure. We stood up against Goliath. You know, like, I, I was nervous because once you go into halftime, you know, we lost a lot of momentum. You kind of let them, you know, uh, talk about things. And, and, I mean, they were disheveled. And then they come out and we just couldn't – kind of like we kind of went off our attacking, like, you know, um, play-from-behind mentality and just tried to, like, hopefully the clock would run out. And it just didn't work out that way. Visiting with our buddy, former Badger fullback, uh, Matt Bernstein. So now you, you get to the Rose Bowl, Bernie, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure when you were here, you know, it was pre-college you know college football playoff. It's still BCS days, but, you know, only two teams got to that. So it was really still, you know, the Rose Bowl was, you know, what you were playing for, right? Be a Big Ten champion, go to the Rose Bowl. How important was it? How big of a goal was that? And how big of an accomplishment is it, you know, for this team? It's an absurd accomplishment. I don't care what anyone says. It's not easy to get to the Rose Bowl. Joe Thomas and I were talking last night. We had people come up and go, oh, how many Rose Bowls did you play in? Guess what? Joe Thomas didn't play in one. I didn't play in one. So to get there, it it means so much. It's such an accomplishment. It's like what you really strive for in the Big Ten. Yeah, obviously everyone wants to go to, you know, the playoffs. But that's four teams out of like 100 D1 teams in the nation. So guess what? Rose Bowl is amazing. I just want everyone to know, like, I never played there. I went to watch a game there once, and it's it's just sad that I never was able to have that experience. Tough scene for the person that asked you and Joe Thomas that. <laughs> what, what did you guys, did you mean mug him at first? What went through your mind when you first uh, heard no, that question? It, it, didn't ha- it, no, it didn't happen last night. It happened a lot, though. Uh, oh, what Rose Bowl did you play in 99? I was like, uh-huh. Oh, you a-hole. Yeah. Well, it, it, it could be worse, Bernie. You could ask Joe Thomas how many times he went to the playoffs in the NFL. Oh, that'd be a real tough scene. Oh, uh, yeah, he knows. Believe me, he knows. <laughs> he, knows. He, said, he said last night, he said, the only seasons I remember were the first and the last season at, at Cleveland. 
All right, so the uh, another you'll probably get well. Even though a Badger's not in there, maybe you maybe you can uh, hobnob your way in because the downtown athletic club, you know, it's probably a hop, skip, and a jump for you at Bernie. Uh, that's where they give out the Heisman Trophy. Uh, the finals announced last night, so you get two Ohio State players. Look, they're both great, but I'm like, that's when like you know a third party candidate runs for president. What a wasted vote, <laughs> you know. Uh, two Ohio State guys, no Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Joe Burrow's gonna win it. I, I get that. He should win it. But Jonathan Taylor, for what he accomplished, not only this year, but for in his three years, that's kind of criminal to not at least put him in the room Saturday night, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, completely. I mean, how dare you? The guy has accomplished so much. He's 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 dominated. I mean, as a running back, he really has dominated. So, you know, to not any, – and he's – if you look at, like, his progression, he can catch the ball. He catches long touchdowns. So he, he has gotten so much better from the first day he started at Wisconsin – exactly right now and I think it's I think it's crazy to not at least have him sitting there in the room to me it's bananas. Bernie you know how like fashion comes back around and trends come back around and yada 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 do you think there will ever be a day where a fullback is a Heisman finalist? <laughs> no <laughs> I definitely don't <laughs> Hey they had that uh, who was the, the not the guy before McCaffrey oh Toby Gerhardt that white dude from Stanford he was like a 240 running back who kind of was in a fullback's body. He got second in the Heisman, Bernie. So should've I'm won. just saying Toby Gerhardt, Nelson claims he should have won. I, I've met you. I haven't met Tony Gerhardt. But I'm going to say the body type very similar between Matt Bernstein and Toby Gerhardt. Yeah, but maybe also. Right, he, yeah, was Michael, a there's a, he was a final. There you go. Maybe Ebo's onto something. Make fullbacks great again for the Heisman. We just skip over running backs trying to win the Heisman. Yeah. We go straight to fullbacks Everyone, winning the Heisman. Like, what's what's the big niche right now? What's the big cult hero? It's the fullback. I think we can get a better campaign. People love fullbacks and like to crap on running backs right now. I I do agree because even Joe brought it up. He's like, "Oh, do you know this guy Danny Vitale?" I was like, "You mean the Packers fullback?" Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know him, but I know him. Yeah, he's make fullbacks great again. Okay, he's the enforcer. Alan Amici. Didn't he? He won the Heisman. Wasn't he considered a fullback when he played for the Baltimore Colts back in the day? Ah, there you go. There I'm just saying, trends come back around. Fashion comes back around. We'll get fullbacks back around, baby. I got uh, this guy. I know him well. He's a state wrestling champ. I, I got to get Mason Stocky on the phone right now. We got to start the Mason Stocky uh, Bernie 2020 Heisman campaign here at Wisconsin. Dude, I love. I mean, I I would love it. That guy. Was, he, you know what's great? It's nice to see that that tradition has not died in um, Wisconsin. Or, or, you know, like I think Urban Meyer said it. He's like, you never know, like, is Wisconsin going to – he's like, I would love to coach, what do you say, against the spread all the time because you know what you – you just throw your guys out there and they're going to pass. But now it's, he's like, you got fullbacks, tight ends. He's like, you really got to change up your personnel. I just hope that tradition continues. I think with Coach Chris that will – so it makes me excited. You know, the other uh, big storyline, Bernie, that'll be, you know, between now and, and the month between the Rose Bowl and then obviously win or lose as we, you know, look ahead to next season will be to kind of, you know, what is the identity of Wisconsin? And, you know, the fans want it to be, you know, the, the A-list or the blue blood. They want to be thought of in the same sentence as Ohio State and Alabama and Oklahoma. And I feel like, you know, to not have ever played in the play, if you can't put yourself there yet, you're like, do you feel like that I do, like they're right in that next group, like you're, you're better than the the Northwesterns, the you know the Iowas, but you're you're not yet 
in that elite group. You're just you're the one step away from becoming that group. I mean, I would say we are the the floor right below the penthouse. I mean, I, I think we're <laughs> knocking on the door, and I feel like with what with what we're doing, playing teams like uh, Notre Dame coming up, Alabama. You know, I think we're looking to try to break in there. Bernie, and I love how you think, man. We're the room right below the penthouse. I love it. That's just that's a great analogy. I mean, we're also a better room down there, but of course. Listen, I, I think we 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 are definitely we're top ten. I mean, we're definitely up there. We're fighting to get into the penthouse. We're just not in yet. You know, the penthouse like, they stay in the hangover when the tigers in there and stuff and the party. I feel like that's where we want to get to. <laughs> like we're right below yeah, it. The, we actually, I think if that would be our penthouse. Like, <laughs> that would be the Joan Ebo. Yeah, if the Joan Ebo show ever does like a remote in Vegas and we bring Bernie with, we wake up the next day and that's our penthouse. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got uh, we got Joe Thomas sleeping on the roof. No, he'll <laughs> be room up there. You know, yeah. we'll all we be need pe- like 12 no, guys to carry him. He, he'll be up doing push ups and crunchers at six in the morning while we're sleeping off our bender going, you know, I what the hell happened? We last would night. be the ones on the roof, I think. Yeah. Ebo, he weighs less than you do. <laughs> He lost, dude. That guy lost a lot of weight. He probably lost an Evo, also. Okay, so <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, though, Bernie, because we were talking about Nagy, and you know, this morning he was talking about his weight loss. Like, what did like? Give me some legendary eating stories of the old lineman, and I'm sure it's the fullback. I'm sure the tight ends, fullbacks weren't far behind. Like, uh, how much? I know JJ Watt. Like his stories are legendary. Like he just like eats till he was sick when he was here. Like, what are some of the legendary eating stories you saw from these big guys? Well, it's actually funny. Joe Thomas and I went to State Street Brats and did the two-pound burger with fries and a large drink. I mean, it was, it was disgusting. I could hardly eat half of it. But I remember guys would try that challenge and on their scooters home would pull over and throw it all up. <laughs> <laughs> it just throws up. <laughs> you know, we would go to, like, the Coliseum bar. No, R.I.P. Coliseum. And they had all-you-can-eat ribs. And eventually the guy would come out and be like, oh, guys, we only have, like, one more batch of ribs, and then they'd be like, "Yeah, you guys, we're sorry, we're out of ribs." But all of a sudden, ribs would keep coming out, dude, from the kitchen if, to other people. Bernie, did you ever do the ten cent wings at Brothers? Yes, I get a, I get like two hundred of it. Yeah, you have time. to. It's great. If you're a I restaurant have, or a bar down in that area, is the worst idea you can do is an all you can eat thing, and then the whole football team's coming, or is it the best thing? Uh, I mean, it's probably the worst thing. I feel like you lose a lot of money. Yeah. Do you remember 25-cent wings at Beat-Offs? Like, I would yeah. crush that. Dude, 10-cent wings at Brothers can't be topped, though. That was legit. No, that was legit. The amount of chickens that place killed is amazing. <laughs> well, okay, worst promotion for, for guys like you and me, Bernie, the 10-cent wing night or mug night at the college club. And and I remember I, I'd bring in, like, a milk carton, and the bartender would look at me and be like, really? And I'm like, hey, it says mug night. You didn't specify what kind. You know, I have a mug on this thing, a handle on it. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, Mug Night was really great at the KK. You're like, you bring in, like, the biggest thing you could possibly find <laughs> and just fill it up with alcohol and then chug it. Let's just bring, like, a, a huge trash can in. <laughs> I mean, we should have thought of that. I mean, people, that's a great idea. I was thinking a bathtub. Well, that is a great fill idea. I was thinking a bathtub, but, yeah, garbage can? Hell, yeah. Obviously I, washed I or new. You guys remember, um, what was it, uh, Bull Feathers? Oh, yeah. Uh, FAC was there. Oh, right? yeah. Yep, yep. Mad Hatters. Mad Hatters. Mad Hatters. I remember sneaking a funnel in and taking <laughs> and making Brooks Bollinger sit on the ground and do a funnel. <laughs> so that, you know, 
Hey. Two dollar two dollar pitcher. Bernie, did that you ever great. sneak in did you ever sneak in bread, lettuce, and tomatoes to bacon night at Wando's? <laughs> no, I, I could of that stuff. We I we did that a couple of times. We were asked to politely leave. Uh, Can't be making your own BLTs in there. Oh that's, man, that's when you're sweat out bacon for like three days after. Yeah. I can't wait till we sit down and start working on the first chapter of the Matt Bernstein uh, autobiography of his time here at Wisconsin. So, listen, I can't wait. Tell and RJ has to help because yeah, I'm telling you that dude has a great memory. It's going to be called Hammered, the Matt Bernstein story. <laughs> Get it? He hammered the Matt Bernstein story. I actually love it. Can we say say Hebrew hammered? Hebrew hammered. The Matt Bernstein story. That's what I wanted my uh, my wedding hashtag. Let's get Hebrew hammered. (laughs) You got that coming up, don't you? Yeah, it's February. Oh, cool, man. Hey, if you need a best man, let me know, because I'm always looking for ex-wives, Bernie, so just saying. (laughs) Well, you have a hookup at Silk, right? We could just have it. (laughs) Done. Naughty Pilgrim, already counting down to next year. Thank you, pal. See you, buddy. Later, guys. There he is, Matt Bernstein. What a biography. Hebrew hammered the Matt Bernstein story with it would, tales of Tencent wings and beer night. It'd be a New York Times bestseller, <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs>